With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Hello and welcome to another uh, Ken7 podcast and we've got a football chat. And joining me today is uh, Rob Gutman from the Anfield Rap and Scott Elliott. Um, how are you doing, guys? You all right? Good, Kev. Very good. Before, before we crack on, uh, Scott, um, can I ask you how Harvey is? Because I'm sure people want to know. Very well. Recovery's going well. So far, so good, mate. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, um, we haven't really got much to talk about. I mean, nothing's really happened recently, <laughs> has it? Um, now, we've got, a, obviously, a 5-0 five, five win at Old Trafford uh, against Man United to talk about. There's been a lot of podcasts happened in the last few days, so I kind of don't want to double down on that. But the first thing I want to ask you, um, I know, Scott, you were at the game. And Rob, did you watch it on the TV or were you at the game? I was at the game, mate. I'm home and away. What did you take me for? Rob, I'll come to you first. Tell me about your experience. Not the game itself, your experience at the game. (laughs) <laughs> where'd you start I had a really lovely time thanks Gav that was my experience I had a smashing time probably the best time I've ever had in my young life yeah it was it was brilliant I can't think it's you know you're hard pushed to think of a ways you've enjoyed more and I said you've been to a lot of ways in my in my young life but Jesus Christ that was Sunday out that um, and I, I treated myself and my boys I took to the game to a night out in Manchester afterwards we kicked over because I knew I wasn't just going home to Liverpool. It was lovely to be around them, seeing all their little sad faces and shirts milling around Manchester, looking like lost souls. It was wonderful. Where did you go out in Manchester? In the northern quarter. Yeah, in the northern. I had a nice little pizza, a few cocktails. You know, it was good. Scott, what was you? Were you in with the away fans? I was, mate. Yeah, yeah. I took um, Harvey's younger brother to the game for the first time. Um, Old Trafford, and he he had the best day ever. It was just amazing from start to finish, to be fair. What was it like being in that away end? Um, Because it looked pretty raucous. It just looked like that you were having the best time of your lives in there. Yeah, I thought, thought, yeah, from the moment the players started coming out of the tunnel, Liverpool started singing and it, it just didn't stop. It was just crazy. And obviously two goals up within 15 and it was just absolutely unreal to be fair. It's amazing. 
Let me ask you both, what what was it like um, before kickoff, uh, Rob? I'll come to you. What was it like before kickoff? Was there a belief that we could do something special or was the usual nervousness that surrounds this fixture at Old Trafford? I didn't sense any nerves, you know. Once I wasn't that nervous... You know, we there's you know that adage in football about playing a team at the right time. We were definitely playing that team at the right time, and I think that you know you're never confident you're going to get a, a win at Old Trafford, and we don't win there very very often. But I think there was a quiet confidence. I don't think there was as nerves. I think we knew we were coming there on the front foot. We knew we were confident after a good run. And, you know, the singing from the get go was "Come on, bring it on." And what about you, Scott? Did you feel like that as well? No, to be fair, um, before the game, we was having a discussion. I was asked whether I fancy our chance, and I, I was very confident, to be fair. I mean, you... Look, you, United, you, can, you can see, you know, everything's highlighted. And the minute, from minute one, you know, even if Fernandez would have scored that goal, I'm absolutely dead cert that we would have gone on to win the game still. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Um I wanted to ask you about a couple of performances in the game. A lot of the the sort of media that I've heard, even the fan media, have picked up on various performances. But one of the ones that hasn't been talked about, I don't think, enough is Canate's performance. We see him on the team sheet before before the game, and it was a big surprise. Obviously, Matip, as you would have thought, was a shoo-in because him and Virgil have been amazing this season. Rob, what did you think of his performance? First of all, what did you think about his inclusion? But what then did you think about his performance? I think we all expected Joel Matip again, even though you've got to manage Matip's games, haven't you? But I think we did expect to see him again. But I was surprised until I thought about it for about 15 seconds, I think, because United are quite, you know, they may not be a very good side at the moment. They're quite a tall side. You've got Cristiano, you've got Pogba, Harry Maguire. They're, they were going to be a threat at set pieces. And I think they were always going to let us take the game to them. So we were going to play high up the pitch and they were going to try and use pace on the counter. So height and pace, Canate sort of a shoe in. I mean, it's a risk because he's a because he's a because he's a young boy still. He's only 21, 22. But he's he's such a he's such a physical presence, isn't he? I mean, to make to dwarf Virgil van Dijk, you're going some. He's got every, he's got everything you want in the body of a centre half, hasn't he? He's got height and he's broad, uh, but he's but he's quick along the ground. And also, he's, he's, he's good with the ball at his feet. He can, he, he can put a pass into midfield really, really nicely. He's got all the gifts. Um, and at some stage, we were going to have to risk him. And I thought it was really bold by the manager to do it. But it made sense. And it was vindicated. It's typical of Jurgen Klopp to do something like that, I think. Don't you think, Scott? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I wasn't actually surprised, if I'm honest, due to what Rob touched on, that his pace. And with, with Rob and Trent pushing forward so much, it left, you know, we were comfortable having a two-on-two with his pace and strength. And you see one in the second half where he just came across and he just glided across the surface and just covered one out with a break. Like Rob said, the aerial threat. And I and I actually believe that give him eight or ten games now in a row, and I think Verge and Ibu could be the mainstay of the Liverpool defence for many years. Yeah, well, it was great that we've got just got options. You know, not either one of them plays in there, and you're happy, aren't you? The uh, the, the other player that I wanted to speak about, and it, it, it sort of, I know Rob, you're quite a big fan actually of Naby Keita, and yeah. um, 
you know, Naby's performances over the last few weeks are certainly against Atletico um, have drawn different opinions. He seems to be like Marmite. Some people love him. Some people sort of can't see him. And it's just, it, it, he'll never be that player that we want him to be. Rob, do you, do, you, do you think he gets the praise that he deserves? I mean, he was fantastic. His, his counter-pressing the other day was unbelievable. He scores a goal, he creates a goal. Do you think he gets the credit he deserves? And is there, is there a time now to put this debate to bed? I'm sure he, he doesn't get credit for the things he does well. And people are very quick to jump on, on moments which aren't, aren't 100% with Naby. I mean, he's, 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 very, very, he's very damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. He's, a, he's an unusual player. I think his ceiling is incredible. I mean, I think Van Dyke described in pre-season as the most talented player in the squad, which is a hell of a shout. I mean, what he means specifically, I don't know. I mean, he's maybe technique, or however you want to analyse it. He's got a fantastic amount of attributes, Naby Keita. You know, I said he's, he's a pressing monster. He's got a pass on him. He can, he can get you up the pitch with his dribbling. Uh, He's got, he's getting, and he's got a goal in him. He's, he's, he's a good finisher. He's, he's quietly got three this season, and two of them were worldies of sorts. Uh, and it was only really finish again at Old Trafford. He, you know, you point a finger at his concentration levels at times, but that's possibly because he hasn't had a run of games, and that's linked into the injuries he's been unlucky with. He wasn't an injury-prone player at Leipzig. He's, he's had some unfortunate uh, phases at Liverpool. Hopefully this latest knock, well, assault by, by Pogba is not going to damage him too greatly and he's, he's back in harness quickly enough. I mean, I'd be, as uh, Scott has said about Canate, you know, once he beds in alongside Van Dijk, you can see them being a partnership for some time. I believe if you can, if Naby can get a run of games together and can consistently show what, what he can do, I think you'll see the concentration levels improve. I think you'll see the things that people have seen as negatives ironed out. And I think he's, he's, a, he's a player who could become a mainstay in the Liverpool midfield. It's maybe early to call that, but I could see it happening. Scott, do you think there's a problem with perception from fans uh, with Naby? I mean, clearly Jurgen Klopp fancies him. But do you think that there's... There's almost too much damage done in terms of his his lack of availability since he's come in, and it's difficult for some fans to get over that. Because what I'm seeing on the pitch is the player that we bought at the moment. You know, goals, pressing, passing, um, dribbling, like you know, holding the ball and running. He glides across the surface. I love watching him play football. It, do you think that it's something that is difficult for fans to some fans to get over? I think so. I think from a fan's perspective, you know, I, I look at it, for example, and we were Liverpool fans before we signed for Liverpool. So I, I could look at it back in the day and think, um, well, Virgil should be captain, for example, you know, as a fan. But actually, when you see it closer, you realise why Jordan's captain, because he's such a great person and, and great leader. So, you know, quite clearly he should be the England captain as well. Uh, that's obvious for everyone to see, really. Um, but with Naby, I, I think it's just a case of getting fit, isn't it? It's, he, he needs a run of eight to ten games as well. He, he seems to sort of have two or three games, start to do it, and then miss two or three games. But he, he, he's, it's, it's abundantly clear that he's, he's possibly got something that you know all our other midfielders haven't. I'd agree with that. Yeah. The um, uh, Rob, I'll come to you on this. The I listened to the review, the Anfield Rap review the other day, which I absolutely love. The boys are, are, are brilliant. You know, it's my staple after every game, especially after a big game for them to dissect 
what's gone on. Dan Morgan started the um, the podcast with an, an interesting point. Man United fans are all going on about, and I'm going to come on to Man United fans in a minute, but they're all going on about how poor they are and and you know how poorly managed the team is by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and then they get onto Ed Woodward, and then they get onto the Glazers, and it's all woe is me sort of thing. Dan Morgan made an interesting point that he said that that result on Sunday was the culmination of six years of planning from the appointment of Jurgen Klopp to everything that's gone on, the backroom team, the throwing coach, the nutritional coach, the fitness coach from Bayern Munich, all this sort of stuff has gone into that sort of performance where we go out on the pitch, we are a team of very good players, but even with very good players, the sum is greater than the parts. What uh, what do you what do you think about that? I don't know whether you listen to the podcast, but what's I wanted to get your thoughts on it as a as a, an idea. And they always laugh at me that I don't listen to our podcasts. <laughs> but, <laughs> I know you don't. <laughs> but, but I have started to since in lockdown. I started listening to them, mainly the ones I'm on, and I wasn't on that one. No, I have to, <laughs> I do listen to the review. It is a good show, but they don't put me on that one. Uh, uh, yeah, and I'm a big fan of Dan. Lost saw him coming out the ground after after Watford away. We were both very happy boys, but that's by the by. <laughs> what culmination? I mean, winning the league in European Cup is a big culmination of what Liverpool worked towards. Yeah. I'm, I said this on, on a podcast that I did do. I said, you know, that Man U 5-0 is fantastic, but it's only three points, you know. It's, it's not a trophy. Um, I know what Dan means. I know what Dan means. There's a sort of set, it's a sense of that's a perfect Liverpool performance, isn't it? Perfect Liverpool performance against a big opponent on their own ground. So, and you know what? Even in winning the league, did we have a, a game like that in the league? I'm not sure we did. I'm trying to think. I mean, we beat City. Uh, I don't think, and we had some fantastic wins. We beat United at, at, at Anfield, and, and we had all sorts of the top level sides were beaten. That was a comprehensive thrashing on, on a pier on, a on their own pitch. I suppose, arguably, we haven't seen that that often when we, yeah, I don't, actually, yeah, going toe to toe with someone who considers themselves a title rival with you, turning up on their ground and doing them 5 0. That feels like something Klopp would have dreamed about at the beginning. So, in that sense, I'm going to agree with Dan. But it ain't a trophy, Dan. You know, it's three points and we, and we march on. I want to see how the story ends. No, I agree with that. I mean, Scott, what, what, what do you think about that? Do you, I mean, you see it from the inside, how well the clubs run from the, you know, the back, which we only see the, the, the pitch side, I suppose, and, and anything that we can glean from social media. Um, do you, do, would you agree with that, that, that Liverpool's now run in such a way that we are ahead of people like Man United? It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It, it is unbelievable. When you hear, you know, you see the adverts, for example, you know, we're not a club, we're a family, you know, this is not a song, this is an anthem. When, when people ask me, they say, Oh, you only say that because you're a Liverpool fan, and it's not true. Liverpool Football Club is the. I mean, what Jurgen's done, and I can only talk about Jurgen's time, not prior to that. What Jurgen's done, and the, the club is just unbelievable from top to bottom. It is like one big family, and it, it's just an amazing dream to be part of. So, you know, it's it's just unbelievable. I can't speak highly enough of it. Enjoying this podcast. And why not supercharge your support for the Reds with Anfield Index Pro? With around 30 premium podcasts every month, AI Pro offers the very best reviews, reaction and debate on all things LFC. 
From the acclaimed statistics and deep dive analytics found in our Under Pressure podcast, to the transfer links, scouting reports and fast live reaction shows we record after every match, AI Pro is home to our very best content. With regular appearances by Reds legends like Jan Molby and Sir Kenny Dalgleish, plus insight from journalists, sports scientists, coaches and psychologists, we'll help bring you closer to the club you love. There's never been a better time to take AI Pro for a test drive. Available on all popular podcast platforms with free apps for iOS and Android. You can try it absolutely free with no strings attached. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com to start your seven-day free trial now. Um, what I, <laughs> I'll tell you what I did this morning. I got up and I was waiting, obviously, to do this podcast. And I, I, I ventured onto YouTube to watch the United stand and see the, the fallout from the game. Um, I've never done it before, but I do actually know one of the lads on the United stand, Kev Ashford, he lives near me. Um, and I found yep. a, a fan forum podcast, which was hilarious. Something that struck me listening to them is that Man United fans, they they don't seem to rate anyone else outside of their own club. So one of the statements was, and I want you to discuss what, you, what this means to you, Apart from Mo Salah, this is one of the statements, apart from Mo Salah, United's players, man for man, are better than Liverpool's players. Rob, discuss that. <laughs> uh, if you did a joint Liverpool-United 11, none of their boys are getting in, I'm afraid. I mean, not one. And, you know, I can I can back up that bold statement with show my working, if you like. You know, it was called the 5-0 win, which sort of, there's just not really a debate to be had. I don't want to be a, like a, you know, a teen fan about this and just going, getting spiteful on it. But we can go deep into our squad before I'd swap out. I mean, you know, I fancied, I liked, I'd like to still bought Jaden Sancho in the summer, but, I, but you know what, I'd like to still bought more players in the summer until I actually saw, was reminded, and Jürgen, Jürgen was vindicated about just how strong Liverpool's squad, squad are. When you saw, and I'm going to say this in front of you, Scott, we saw how much Carvey has come on in the early part of the season and was first team ready. When you see Alan Curtis, once he got over his little niggle pre-season, how good he is. When you see how uh, a fit, good, how fit, a, uh, uh, sorry, how good a fit Naby Keita is and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain potentially and how good James Milner still is at 35 or coming on to 36. You think, fuck me, you think, this is some squad we've got. I don't think we need signings. We certainly don't need any Man United players. Not, there's not a single one of those boys who get it. And that includes CR7 himself. The, um, I mean, the, that, that, the fume that was going on was hilarious. And if you've got five minutes, go and watch it. Because it is, it's, it, I mean, I just spent the time laughing at, at it. But they, just, <laughs> they do seem to be so blinkered. Like, if you speak to a Man United fan, he would not, he would not have Jordan Henderson in their team. And I think that is systemic of how they see football. Um, now, you, from the inside, see the effect that Jordan has, not just on the pitch, but he's, he's a fabulous footballer. Look at the ball he played to Mo Salah. Um, does any of this sort of rankle with you, uh, Scott, that you know Man United fans are, are, and maybe fans of other clubs don't really appreciate how good this Liverpool team is? Yeah, well, I think... I think they do. They just probably don't want to admit it, <laughs> especially from United. To be fair, but when you when you're looking at it, you know that United have got top players. But I think the difference is when you're looking at United, they've they've got top players, but they haven't got a team. Liverpool have got a team, mm. and that gives you that extra ten percent that you need. 
they'll run through the ground for you. You know, you could argue that, for example, Bruno Fernandes, he, he does score goals, you know, from midfield. You could argue Liverpool might need that a bit more from midfield. But all day long, I'm having Jordan Henderson and people like that ahead of him because of his work rate and what he gives you. And the way Jürgen plays with his high-tempo press, it doesn't work for Fernandes. He wouldn't fit our system. So they haven't got no one, and I agree with Rob, they haven't really got anyone that will get in our team because it doesn't fit our system at this moment in time. But I mean, that that statement, Rob, that, that apart from Mo Salah, United's players man for man are, are better than Liverpool players. I mean, if you go through our team, I'd have our goalie straight away, our right back, our centre-backs, our left back. You know, I'm, I'm that's literally, you're nearly there already without even thinking about them. There, I mean, look, there are a few, if you put it to a worldwide poll of football fans, either the thinking ones or the just casual fan, you go Bobby Firmino versus Cristiano Ronaldo. People are going to pick Cristiano Ronaldo, right? And the United fans would be certainly no exception to that. But they'd be wrong, right? And I'd and in certainly in Liverpool system, they'd be wrong. But I would I would argue in any team in the world that wants to win things, they'd be wrong. But even if you park and also you could talk about Jordan Henderson versus Paul Pogba would be another example where you go in a fan poll, Pogba would make the cut, right? World Cup winner Paul Pogba. But in reality, in the real world, anybody saying who wants to win things is picking Jordan Henderson over Paul Pogba. But even if you sort of part those two, as you just said, who's a better keeper in the world than Alisson? Who's a better right back than Trent or left back than Robbo or better centre-half than Virgil? And then you go d- drill down in our centre-halves and you go, hang on, who's you know, Harry Maguire and Lindelhoff and even Varane are not better than Joel Matip or, and then probably Canate and Joe Gomez for, for that matter. Let's not even talk about Nat Phillips. But um, but even beyond that, you know, who, who the likes of United got to compare with Fabinho in midfield, you know? And that's, and, and by the way, they, they studiously forget, uh, like, or Sadio Mane, who's, uh, who's no slouch himself. So, yeah, it's, a, it's palpable nonsense as a statement. If you're enjoying this video so far, please show your support for the Ken7 channel by clicking the subscribe button, the like button, and also clicking the bell for future notifications. If you could also share the video on your Twitter and Facebook account, that will show YouTube's algorithm that you like our content. Do you know about Ken7 merchandise? The link is in the description of this video. We have premium fanware for fans covering Liverpool, Celtic and Scotland. And it's fanware for young and old. So we have t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, caps, mugs, you name it, we've got it. Just something else to remember, every purchase that is made on our website, we donate to the Marina Dalgalish Appeal. So you're helping a great cause as well. The other part of Dan Morgan's little sort of speech before the review was actually about how we recruit. And I thought this was really interesting. Scott, I'll come to you. Basically, the other teams can make mistakes in the transfer window, you know, in the transfer market. They can throw money at it. If they make a few mistakes, it's not a problem. They'll just make another mistake. If they get a manager and that doesn't work, they'll just get another manager. I'm mainly talking about Chelsea, Man United here. And he also mentioned um, Newcastle are going to have this because they've got so much money. 
they could do something. It doesn't have to be that well considered. If it doesn't work, then they'll just throw more money at it and get a new manager and, and just keep going. Whereas the way we do it, we have had to we have to look at the nth degree. We cannot make any mistakes because we don't have as much money as these other teams. And I'm I'm not bemoaning that. I'm actually fine with the way we do it. It works for me. I like the fact that we're self-sustaining. Um, we're, it 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 comes from a um, it almost feels that there's more substance to it for me. But you know, what do you what do you think about that? Um, yeah, no, no, I agree. Look, you look back over the years, and and the arguments again. I go back to before we signed for Liverpool as a Liverpool fan. The arguments I used to have with TLC Man United, Man City fans, and it's it's a never-ending pot of cash. Like you say, they can get it wrong when they talk about Virgin Alley. We sold Coutinho. We bought him for eight and a half million. So effectively, we got Virgin Alley for eight and a half million, which is like crazy, isn't it? You know, Robbo. He's gone, we bought him for 8 million, we sold Stuart for 6 million. You know, so we're doing some unbelievable deals and it, it's, it's about being careful, isn't it? And by doing the way we do it, I think um, there's a lot more, there's a lot more of the process involved in getting that right. Well, like you say, other clubs like Manchester City, they go out, they buy, how, how many defenders have they got? 50 million plus. You know, it's just never ending. It doesn't work. And Chelsea done the same, didn't they? You know, they went out and brought Sean Wright Phillips, you know, for 24 million just because they could. He wasn't necessarily getting in the side. And it's just, you know, I, I love the way we do it. I, lo- I love how well run the club is. If you look back under Hicks and Gillette, how badly it was run, you know, now the club is so self-staining. And I think if there's a player there, reasonable, we'll get him. And, you know, we don't need to necessarily go out and buy world-class players right now because Jürgen makes world-class players and the club make world-class players. Well, as the, the host of the the, uh, the Gutter show, Rob, um, who is obsessed with transfers, as, as, as obsessed with transfers as I am, um, we, we, we've done the right thing, haven't we, in the summer? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there was noises coming out of the club through journalists that Liverpool was saying... And it might be next summer where they go big, you know, so just watch me then speculate mindlessly, Gav, about, about who we're going to buy. I but, did actually do a podcast you, with David Lynch the other day and I asked him about that, um, the yeah. next summer being the big summer thing. And he he poured a load of cold water on it, you know. Oh, he would, Lynchy. Oh, <laughs> I did to burst your bubble, but he said that, it, it, put it this way, if Mo Salah signs, you, you don't expect too much to happen in the summer. Well, that's it. Yeah, well, you're not going to replace Mo Salah if Mo Salah signs. Yeah. Pray to, pray to God he does. Um, yeah, you do, you do, you look at it and you go, I mean, all the fans, are, you know, you've all been dreaming about Achilles Mbappe here or even Jaden Sancho there. But that's until you see the, the bigger plan emerging. As I said, and um, until you see how good Curtis Jones and Harvey Hilliard, I'm going to say it again, are. And you, and you look at how good a, a bargain signing relative to Diogo Jota is, mm-hmm. you start to go, where's, where's the room for these big signings? And then you go into midfield and, and go, you know, there's the same sort of pattern. I think, I think we do need a body here or there. I think we probably need a young midfielder. I've seen links to Jude Bellingham. I would bite off part of my hand to, to have Jude, someone of his, his quality and potential in. Um, I'm looking at the defence as being re- really well stocked. And even the attack, I mean, okay, you're a bad injury week away from reappraising this if Sadio and and, and Salah had what happened to to Gomez and Van Dijk. So I'm not going to be too cocky about this. 
But if I could sign one player for a few quid next summer, I think it would be an expensive midfielder, Jude Bellingham. Um, assuming no one's going, that is. Mm. So, Scott, what what does this this results a great result? But I want you to put it into context for us for the rest of the season. What it means for us in terms of hopes and aspirations. Does it? Do you think it's a springboard? Do you think it's just a continuation of what we've already done this season? You put it into context for me. Yeah, for for me, you know, you just it's three points, isn't it? You know, United, uh, sorry, um, City and Chelsea both had relatively guaranteed three points, if you can say at the weekend. We've got United away, which for me was a bit of a cup final for them because they had to win. You know, this result potentially puts them out of the title race already with not seeing City, Chelsea and Liverpool all slipping up so badly. Um, and it, it is three points and it is a continuation. We've just got to keep moving on one game at a time. I know it's an old cliche, but that's the way you've got to do it. One game at a time, we just take these points and we keep plodding along and, you know, we'll see where we are. I mean, you can never really look at League 2 after Christmas anyway. I mean, as a fan, you know, we've always looked at that, haven't we? Come January, we'll look at the league and we'll see where we are. And and then we'll judge it, judge it then. Rob, do you think this result could could have a similar effect on us as the Aston Villa game the year we won the, the, the league? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, that was a bit of a turning point game in terms of the results. I think City were having that day. Could They could really have closed the gap. And actually, that's a fair analogy because had we lost or not won, both City and well, Chelsea, if uh, Chelsea could have been up to four points ahead of us, United would have themselves would have moved to within a point of us, and City would have moved ahead of us by a couple of points. So, yeah, arguably it was a sort of on a knife edge kind of moment, which we didn't want to say to ourselves beforehand. So, to win it is a is a big deal. I yeah, I tend to I tend to think when you get to the third waypoint in the season, so that's around the 12-13 game mark. We're on game nine, so we're not a million miles away from it you can begin to say you've got something to build on then. Um, you know, last season we're top. Well, I've seen the many seasons we've been top at Christmas and they're not worked for us. I mean, last season is a case in point, although it's a very, very unusual season. I think if we get to 13 points and we can edge our way to the top of the league, we've now played the big three, haven't we? I mean, everyone else has played. City and United have to play each other. Chelsea and United have to play each other. So let's see what it looks like as we're coming into Christmas. If we can just edge ahead, that'd be a major thing. But, it's, and I, you know, Scott says it, of course, it's one, it has to be one game at a time. That's the mentality that wins you leagues and nothing, nothing else does. From fan point of view, I'm looking at it from the outside and going, there's a building confidence here. And that's, that's not to be sniffed at. We're not, even that Villa game, you, you highlight, uh, Gavin, you know, it was a narrow win that. A deserved win, an important win, but we were winning some games narrowly then. We are smashing teams all over the park at the moment. I mean, we're going to the Spanish champions, although it was a bit of a fraught one at times. We still won 3 2. You know, Jesus, fuck me, that's a result. Watford blown away. You know, Watford aren't as bad as everyone said the week after. They, they smashed Everton 5 2. Um, like us to have beaten City or Chelsea, but I think they're mitigating circumstances in those because certainly City were away in Europe just before then, you know. but... But anyway, whatever happened in the recent past, the confidence is building, the wins are coming, um, and you couldn't ask for more, as we say, one game at a time, eh? You, um, we're playing Preston tonight, obviously, in the Carabao Cup. Um, yeah. You're going, Rob. Are you going, Scott? 
unfortunately I'm not. I was um, had some plans with Harvey, so that got changed last minute. So it's a bit late to go now. So okay. yeah, unfortunately not. I'll be watching at home with the family. So the, the the next few games that we've got coming up, and we sort of briefly touched on it there, but I'll come to you, Scott. We've got Preston tonight. We've got Brighton at home on Saturday. Atletico at home, and then West Ham. I think before the international break. Would that be right? What are you expecting out of these? I'm touching on the overview show here, Rob. By the way, I'm robbing your format. Um, what would you expect? Um, what would you expect from those four games? Four what a question that is. <laughs> four wins, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing really to test us there. And then when we come out of the international break, we've got Arsenal and then Porto and Southampton. So I'm going into November. Um, we should be in decent fettle, shouldn't we, Rob? Yeah, don't tem- don't be tempting fate on me, Gav. I mean, yeah, it's those are the. I mean, you, you want to get when you beat the likes of United away. The real win is that you've then got you know your harder game out of the way, and you can see a bit of a bit of daylight, see an opportunity to build a bit of a run. Of course, it doesn't always work out like that. Last season, the problem was is we dipped down against the bottom 13, didn't we? We didn't, our record, especially even against the bottom six, our record was not good at all. If that's changed this season, okay, Brentford was, wasn't was wasn't what we wanted, but they're a feisty aside than I think people realised. Well, Chelsea Chelsea struggled there. there well, they did. They, 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 they won, but they struggled. They were fortunate. I think we were better than Chelsea were. Actually. Yeah. I thought we were unlucky. We were a Mo Salah finish away from, I think, running out rampantly there. Excuse me, got blocked. Nice. Um, Brighton, I mean, Brighton, maybe it's good that City did them last week. Maybe they've been tenderised for us after their run. I don't want to predict what tonight's result will be because we don't know what kind of team we'll put out. Nice to win again, of course. Um, West Ham are in very, very good form, aren't they? But we won well there last season. So so let's see. I don't think we've, we've got much to fear at the moment. We've got a lot to be excited about. Yeah, I, I agree with Scott. We've got to be targeting back-to-back wins for, for a while now. Um but that's what you've got to do if you want to win titles. No, I completely agree. Scott, do you um, do you think that we're going to win the league? Yeah. <laughs> Anything yeah, else I, to go with that? I, I'll tell you what I do. Because Chelsea are looking very solid. I mean, Men- Mendy's a great addition in goal. Um, Chelsea are looking very solid. But for me, it comes down to the fans, mate. You go into these games, you go to Stamford Bridge, you go to the Etihad, you go to Anfield, and there's no comparison. And when you've got these Liverpool fans behind you, these players are giving everything for it. And I and I th- and I also think that there's a desire within to win the league again after we didn't get to celebrate the last one. And this place is going to go mental. This place is going to go mental. The whole city, and we'll do this together. Brilliant. Best club in the world. We're winning it. Brilliant. Well, listen, gents, uh, I think that's a good place to leave it. But thank you very much for your time, Rob. Thanks for your time, Scott. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to give us a little subscribe, click the like button. Thanks very much, and uh, I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, boys. Cheers, guys. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, 
where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.